Welcome to what I think will prove to be an interesting episode of ARG Presents. I'm your boy, your good buddy, your bosom companion, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who both pulled on Superman's cape and spit into the wind. I give you the Brent. Hey, Superman had it coming and so did that wind. There you go. You'll spit on anything, won't you? That's the West Virginia way. <laughs> <laughs> no, the West Virginia way is just a cough on everyone. <laughs> oh, God. Less than about that, the better. So, uh, if you joined us last week, we did spin the wheel, and we made the uh, awe-inspiring deal. As this week, Brent, we'll be going to war. We'll be going to a battle, if you will. But, before we go to battle, for once, we're going to remember to talk about important things during the show, Brent. <laughs> and the first thing we're going to talk about is in just a few short weeks, Brent, it will be time for BAM, the Thanks for Giving Marathon. Now, Brent, tell the good folks what we usually do on this day, and then tell them what we're going to do on this day. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, due to the virus outbreak absolutely ravaging uh, West Virginia right now, I personally have had uh, two exposure COVID exposure cases within the last week. Uh, we have deemed it impractical to get together in person. Uh, so we are going to have to do a remote thanks for giving, uh, which unfortunately means we are not going to be spinning the wheel for thanks for giving. And we are going to see what we can do with playing games together uh, and being entertaining for our eight hour lot uh from 9 a.m to 5 p.m est uh it is it's something that aaron and i talked about and we don't like it uh it is incredibly unfortunate because we had so much fun at last year's event um but the circumstances are as they are and and i'm sure you guys can all appreciate this uh for the uh safety of our family and our loved ones uh, we are unfortunately going to have to do it uh, remotely. So it's still going to happen. It's still going down Friday, uh, not this on the uh, 27th, like I said, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It is just going to be in a different format, and hopefully we can get everyone to come out and join us in chat and have a good old time as we really we celebrate uh, you, the fans, and the supporters for uh, all your generosity throughout the year. Very good. Very well said. Let me just add that uh, uh, we're, uh, we're going to kick it. We're going to have a good time. Eight hours of fun. We're still going to work the wheel in there. We'll still get some action. Uh, this uh, COVID situation put the real kibosh on our plans. And I've been, of course, you know me, I'll work on this stuff well in advance. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, but uh, we will... Uh, we will take all the peace suggestions we got. We'll work those in somewhere on the line. But uh, a lot of them have actually already seen wheel action. Yeah. Because uh, I was, they were kind of du- pulling dual purpose. Uh, but obviously, playing most of those emulators, uh, remote net play is just not feasible. Yeah. So, but we're working. We're working on the whole remote thing. So we'll see what we can do. We'll get. We'll get something going. So don't be depressed. It's gonna be awesome. By God, we're still gonna have a good time now. On to another pressing matter I want to get into before the, uh, the deal is done. And that's not it. <laughs> it's International Computer Club. International Computer Club is coming up uh, very soon. It will be uh, December uh, 12th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we will gather via Zoom. It will be broadcast on Twitch. And it's going to be a happening. Uh, I would say I'm going to close up the signups uh, at the on Friday. So if you're interested in actually demonstrating or having time allotted to you on the International Computer Club, uh, get on our Discord page uh, and get signed up on the International Computer Club sheet. Of course, the International Computer Club is available for anyone to watch. We urge you to come by and watch. It should be a lot of fun, Brent. Uh, and if yes. you're in our Discord. <laughs> You can uh, you can actually do some presentations. That should be fun as well. We've had I think we've got five or six signups so far, which is about what we had last time, and that took three hours. So we're hoping to bring this one in in no longer than that. Uh, but the last one was stretched on longer than I thought. But it, we had a real good time, and it was well 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 received. So we're hoping for a real big turnout, Brent. 
Absolutely. While I was not physically on the show, I did watch uh, 90 so or so percent of it, and it was entertaining and informative from beginning to end. There you go. So I hope everyone uh, is able to turn out for that. We had a lot of people that are actually here right now in for, for the uh, for the International Computer Club. We had a good time. Now, on to the particulars of this evening. Uh, for those that weren't here last week, we spun the wheel, we made the deal, and the deal was this. Bam! It was ARG Battle, Brent. And yes. we chose sides. There was no peace made. We're going to war, Brent. And we called this little episode, Bam! Atari ST versus the Commodore Amiga. There it is. Enough said. Uh, Brent will be picking up the mantle for the Atari ST, and I will be running like gangbusters with the banner of the uh, Amiga, in this case, the Amiga 500, which is what we decided to go with on the Amiga side. Um, Brent, do you have any opening thoughts on this thing? How do you, you want to start off with a little hardware talk on this and go from there? How would you like to play it? Well, yeah, let's start with hardware. And uh, the Atari ST has kind of a, a interesting history for that because it has nothing to do with this battle. Uh, when the Atari ST was was in the mind of, of Atari, uh, the Commodore was not a competitor at all. They were looking to compete with the uh, Macintosh. And that is really, they wanted to take a system to build, to do uh, your office work and your, uh, you know, your applications and some games, but it was really not focused on that at the beginning. And they said, the Macintosh is selling for, like, way too much. No one can buy these things. It's thousands of dollars. We're going to get into that market, and we're going to tackle it, and we're going to have an introductory price of $800. That's with a monochrome monitor. $1,000 if you wanted the color job. And in that regard... They came in and absolutely uh, uh, made a huge impact on the market because at this time, computers were still these monstrous investments for families. Most of them were, were outside of the uh, scope of, of what the normal citizen could go out there and buy. And this was uh, a mid-range solution for both families and businesses to get in there and get some of these applications going. $800 with a monitor in 85 was a really good deal. And they had the, the uh, production software to back it up. Now, just to touch on it briefly, months after the ST launched, the uh, Amiga 1000 launched. And... For Atari, they didn't even worry about this because it was so uh, expensive. You know, they they didn't really even consider uh, the uh, the Amiga a competitor until the 500 release, which was two years later. So while it was in the marketplace, they um, the Atari didn't care. It, it was all about beating the Macintosh, which. Uh, you know, they put a really good competitor into the ring for that. So, to expostulate on what Brent said, you can't go forward in this battle without touching base on cost because cost is a key element in this battle. And I don't, I don't want to blow Absolutely. up. I don't want to blow up Brent's argument here, but I'm going to talk about it for a minute. So, I looked at the prices of these things. When the, uh, the, uh, of the three pertinent systems here, the Amiga 500, the Amiga 1000, the Atari. When the uh, uh, Amiga 1000 launched in 85, it was sold at 1,700 pounds. The Atari, same year, the cost was 749 pounds. That really does put the ST in an entirely different marketplace. Absolutely. Uh, you're talking almost 1,000 pounds difference there. Now, when you flash forward a couple years, the Amiga 500 launched at 599, okay, in 87. By this time, Atari had been around for a couple years, and the price had dropped at eighty six to three ninety nine, because that's the way that Tremel played the game. He he launched those things low and it kept lowering them. So you're still looking at a two hundred pound difference in price, and that price difference can't be uh, uh, you can't look past it because it did make a big deal. 
Uh, Absolutely. It put the computers in two different arenas, at least early on, until things changed, and the Amiga sort of entered that price area. Now, uh, these computers have a lot in common, obviously. Uh, They both have the uh, 68,000 processor. Some people don't know this, but the the ST's uh, processor's about 14% quicker. Uh, than the uh, than the Amiga, which and and it needed that extra oomph, uh, and because yes. what separates these computers from a hardware perspective, really, a lot of what you can put it down to is the is the Amiga's custom chips. Uh, Absolutely, I look at the Amiga uh, and the, and the 500 in particular. It's a lot like a a, a a a DOS PC in a lot of ways, or or a Windows PC. You had a base board for it. But in, in, on a PC, you would get a video card, you'd get a sound card. Uh, on the Amiga, that stuff, those cards were hardwired into the machine. You effectively got those, those. that's what those uh, uh, unique chips did. They removed the load from the processor. And so, what does that give you? That means your processor is freed up to do more processing and letting the custom chips take care of the other stuff. And so, what that gives you is, uh, it get that's where the advantage from a hardware perspective, on the Amiga comes uh, comes through because the Atari uh, had to pretty much run everything from the processor. The sound uh, was handled; they had a sound chip on it, but it was not anywhere in the same ballpark as what the Amiga had. I was surprised to learn that the ST. No, it was. An, go ahead. the The sound chip for the for the uh, ST was just your an off the shelf thing. It was not a custom chip. It was uh, one of the Yamaha chips. Well, a lot of the parts and, in the in the ST were like that. Yes, um, and that actually gave them an advantage because it was familiar territory. Something I want to uh, touch on later on is how much difficulty, especially in the beginning, uh, people had programming for the Amiga. But we'll get to that a little later down the line. Something else I want to mention that the uh, Atari ST launched with that made a, a huge difference to a lot of people was it had a MIDI port. And this was uh, a, a big deal for people, uh, both recreationally and professionally, uh, making music on the ST. So much so that you had studios buying these things because they were affordable and they were quick. And that was another market that I don't know if it was necessarily targeted. Well, I guess it was, considering it had a mini port, but it did very well in those arenas. So it had its hand in a lot of pies uh, right from the get-go, which was a which was a pretty big advantage for it. I, I will agree with you, but I will say this. And I, again, I didn't learn this until I started doing research for this show. I didn't realize how sort of crummy the uh, uh, Atari ST sound is. Uh, it's funny with a machine that gets so associated with the uh, studio production and stuff that they would have such a crappy sound chip in it. But from what I read... The, the sound chip in the Atari is only a few steps up from what was uh, featured in the ZX Spectrum, which was a real That's shock true. to me. Uh, now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean the Atari couldn't put out some decent tunes, but, I mean, there's a clear there's a clear difference uh, in, that er- in that area, the sound-wise. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> Where the Amiga had custom sound chips to handle some of that load, uh, the Atari had to... If you were really focusing on sound, you had to run all that through the processor. Yeah. And when you're doing processor work uh, with the with the Atari on sound, you can get some amazing stuff going. Uh, you're limited in channels. There's no doubt about that. Uh, uh, and there's there's only so much you can do to get around that. However, uh, when they were uh, focused on just on sound. They could keep pace with a lot of, especially Amiga 500 sound. Uh, it, it was an unfair race for the Atari at this time, since the Amiga did have custom sound hardware. But they could keep pace with it in a lot of regards, if all you were doing was sound. It's funny. Here's the funny thing. All right, and I, I, I don't want to give my, I don't want to tip my hand here, but I'm going to tip it slightly. You're right. The it, give if the processor was idle, it could do some pretty impressive stuff. But when you play a, a, an Amiga game and then you play it on, on the Atari, you're going to see some differences. And, and amongst the differences you're often going to see are things like in-game audio, uh, in-game sound, like music, 
uh, uh, you're going to see uh, scrolling that is it, it, less than adequate when it comes to comparisons versus the Amiga. And it all boils down to the custom chips on the Amiga, where the Atari has to run all that You're stuff right. to the processor. Now, uh, uh, and I know the battle is going to go in that direction. Uh, so let's go, you know, hardware-wise, I think we can say, it's it's in terms of judging the one versus the other, we can say this. The Atari ST had the, had the jump, okay, the two-year jump. It had an unbelievable price advantage, okay? For that price, did you get an Amiga level of of computer board in that thing? No, you did not. So the I guess the big question is, Britt, now I'm, I'm going to ask you this: Was the extra cost of the Amiga stuff did that what what weighed more with you? The price of the Atari ST uh, being so cheap versus the performance of the Amiga 500 with the having to pay the extra cash? Where do you fall there? Well, I can tell you that right now. And it is exactly how I buy uh, PC hardware today. I cannot afford top of the line. I, I just can't do it. So when a video card comes out and it is, you know, $1,800, that's I, it's not even on my radar. It doesn't matter how awesome it is. It doesn't matter what it can do. I can't afford it. So I start looking at the $800 cards. And, you know, and even those, that's a huge investment. That's something that has to last me years and years and years. And if it's from a computer perspective and you're looking at these two launch prices, it doesn't matter how good the Amiga is. I can't afford it. And I think that was the case for a lot of people. Was the Amiga hardware superior? Yeah, absolutely. But what does that matter if you can't buy it? Yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, in terms, in, in in terms of the price per hardware, I, it's hard for me to argue with you because I'm also a cheapskate because because I, I don't have that much money. And I can tell you now. I think we could both agree that in the states, the Atari ST was a non-factor. It was even less prevalent than the Amiga. I mean, we never yes. hardly saw. I saw one in my buddy's studio once, but that's it. I, 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 I mean, at a, at a computer show, neither, I've seen them. neither, like you said, both the Atari ST and the the uh, Amiga was a, a non-factor. It was it was all uh, IBM machines. Yeah. But but so. I mean, so taking that out of the equation, because we don't have and we don't really have a a, a a foot to stand on in that department. If these two things were both released here, and I was looking for a computer. Uh, there's a good chance, not not uh, now. Granted, I, uh, I've had all these years to play with the Amiga since, but at at launch, there's every possibility I would have went with an Atari ST strictly based on the price. And when you look at the, what the, if you took the Amiga out of the equation completely, you've never seen an Amiga, and you look at the Atari and you look at the price, that's a heck of a lot of computer uh, for, for the price. And so I, yes. I think in terms, I think in that arena. I think that's where the Atari plays strongly. Uh, if, if you if, it, if it's if it's 1986 and you're looking for a computer and you look at the Amiga 1000, this thing costs uh, 900 pounds more than the than the Atari. You gotta ask yourself, am I getting 900 pounds more computer here? And I don't think you you were. I, I mean, I don't. I really don't. I hate to say it, but it's true. So when it comes to the price for performance, I think probably the Atari was your hands down winner. Now, as the years stretched on. And the Amiga 500 began to drop in price uh, and c- catch up in the software arena. Uh, then I think the the tides change somewhere, probably around 88, uh, where the price drops and you've got uh, more yeah, competitive fields. I, th- I, I think that's fair. Yeah. So let's now. Oh, go ahead. One thing I want to I want to touch on on this. Uh, another problem where the uh, Atari ST had to overcome was actually Tremel. Uh, his reputation at this time was so poor <laughs> that when he went to computer trade shows to try to uh, push the Atari, uh, a lot of people were just like, no, if you're attached, I'm, we're not interested. And what is the most important time for uh, computers? It's right at launch. You have to have things that you can show these people. And one reason why the Atari was so slow out of the gate 
for software like games and stuff is you couldn't get these companies to sign on. I mean, like Electronics Art, Electronic Arts simply said, you know what, we're not even we're not even considering it. It's not even on the radar. This brand new machine at this incredible price that is sure to get into households was not even considered by one of the leading game making giants because Tremel had such a bad reputation. And that's so unfortunate because I think if they would have had more support in the beginning, uh, they would have made a much bigger splash, and I think it could have really helped them later down the line. Uh, but they had that slow start out of the gate, and it was all due to the bad reputation of one person. Well, you know, uh, Tremel had sort of one of these uh, um, uh, <laughs> scorched-earth policies. Like, he didn't make a lot of yes, friends. Yes, he did. He would... He would shortchange people or not pay them. You know, he would not pay. I, 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 as I recall, famously, they didn't pay their the people that made some of their plastics on up to the point where they could. They were so broke that Tremel bought them and then forgave the yes. debt, stuff like that. Uh, and he and also he wasn't a nice guy, but he got. I will say, as a businessman, he was all man, especially early on uh, when he was a Commodore. Atari, he sort of inherited a a, a, a bad situation. One thing both these computers have in common is horrible, horrible marketing in the states. Like we mentioned, these things didn't yeah. didn't go well. Now, it, one would wonder, as popular as both these machines were in Europe, and as capable of the, as they are, if you look at the scenario, of what was going on in America in 1985 uh, and 86, I was around. I was plenty old enough to remember this because I was still using my Coco, and we were transitioning to a DOS machine. But both these computers made my DOS machine look like double super garbage. They had every Absolutely. advantage. Uh, and it's unbelievable that they couldn't get a foothold. And one of the reasons that people talk about is it's because in America they tried to pitch these machines uh, as serious business machines. This was a mistake that they both made. Uh, and so we want to, before we move into the game area here, let's talk about the application scene on these machines, Brent. Now, uh, d did you look into the what Atari had cooking? I I, I dipped my toe in the pool in terms of applications and came up. I, I guess I'll go ahead and lead the dance here since I've already got it queued up. So, I, you know, I thought to myself, what applications was I using back in the day uh, on, on the Amiga? I was more of a games guy, but I did use some apps. And since this is the way they were being pushed in the States, I thought it might be fun to look at them. So, you can't talk about the Amiga uh, and the application without talking about Deluxe Paint, the series, uh, which was off the charts and, and really was used as uh, uh, the artistic uh, uh, backbone of so many games over the years. I mean, it's, it's, I can't tell you how many times me and Boat have looked into stuff, and it was uh, Deluxe Paint. Of course, who did Deluxe Paint? Electronic Arts. Uh, you know, they were, they were right there. Uh, so I think Deluxe Paint is an, an excellent choice in terms of uh, uh, what the Amiga could do from an artistic perspective. Uh, the uh, second thing I've got on my list is Octomed and the whole uh, mod scene. This is another thing that I played with back in the day and I thought was an awesome uh, use of the Amiga was to make music. Now, I suck. I suck at it, but it's much like Deluxe Paint. Uh, these med programs... Uh, were used and are still used to this day to do incredible things. So I think that's another uh, awesome edge that we had on a lot of, like say, PC-based stuff. A program that blew my mind when I saw it, and I want to talk about it just briefly, was Morph Plus. You remember when Morphing yeah, oh yeah, was, a, was a big deal? Uh, I know this, I don't think anyone, no one ever talks about Morph, but when I saw this program, like, demonstrate, I couldn't freaking believe it, man. And it was simple enough that even a doofus like me could make morphs with it. It was awesome. Yeah. And I really thought this was a cool program. I know they used this thing cinematic in some movies. Uh, and the whole morphing thing sort of was a, such a shock to everybody. They couldn't believe how cool it was that they made this be a hot piece of software back in the day. Um, another one I want to talk about was a program that I stumbled upon called Distant Suns, which was a program that lets you... Uh, it's, it was an astronomy program, if you can believe that, and it let you map um, different sky. Uh, it, it lets you look at the stars at different points on the Earth in different times. It was really a neat program. I think it's still around. I'm pretty sure it's still out on phones. I think they made the jump into iOS 
but this was a, I thought this was a really neat program and educational as hell. Uh, a real good program. Uh, I want to touch up on a, another great utility I use on the Amiga called Directory Opus, which it's still around. It's got a PC release. This is was the premier uh, file management system. I remember using this thing a ton uh, back in the day. And when I use my Amiga now, I still got to have Directory Opus loaded up. And like I said, it made the jump to PC. And then lastly, and I know I'm skipping over tons and tons of great applications somewhere, but I wanted to mention Amos, the game uh, writing uh, language. Uh, many a, a game have been written on the backbone of Amos. Like it's a real good game system for putting together, you know, for pr- programming strictly for, in the game arena. Uh, I had uh, Amos. I again dipped my toe in the pool with it, and I was too too, too dumb to to get the job done. But uh, those are just a handful of Amiga uh, apps. I should say that you know we the Amiga did have versions of WordPerfect, for example, early on, and and, and some other ones. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not something I used every day. I did use the Amiga for word processing to a certain extent, uh, but uh, I, I'm not a secretary, I, so I don't know if one, if Final Copy is better than Word Perfect or anything else. So I don't think, I think when it came to word processing, I mean, I think most computers had a pretty competent word processor. That's so why I didn't get into that one. What do you got, Bree? You got anything to talk about in, the, in those lines? Absolutely. Uh, I think. One of the biggest pieces of software for the ST music-wise was Quartet, uh, and it really took advantage of the extra memory that the SCD had to do samples. Uh, and that was a really big deal, especially, you got to think, 85, 86. Uh, it got used in a ton of different uh, uh, music applications and music production. Uh, on the paint end, you had uh, Degas Elite, uh, now, they actually did have tons of uh, paint programs as well, including Deluxe Paint um, and uh, Cyber Paint and a few others. But truth be told, uh, uh, it was not a system where your painting applications was ever going to be as powerful as the Amiga. I mean, it's just the, the fact of the matter. Uh, something you didn't touch on at all, well, I guess you kind of touched on, but... Atari ST Basic, right out of the box with the system, with the Atari, uh, the uh, 520 ST, and that's a big deal. Having access to a Basic uh, really lets some of your your people wanting to learn how to program, it made that something that the ST could be used for. And, of course, you like you said, you've got your uh, word processing programs, just like all the other ones had, and... I believe that the ST uh, excelled a little bit in this, only from a cost-to-use ratio on top of the Amiga. Uh, But something that you might not think about is even things like uh, AutoCAD, CAD 3D, uh, Autodesk 3D Studio, these were all had um, ST releases. So that you could do some amount of 3D modeling on your ST, which... That's pretty impressive for back in the day. Well, I, I understand. Of course, I, I did, having not used them, I knew of them. Amiga did have stuff like Imagine 3D and Lightwave and stuff. So I mean, you had you we and plenty of ray tracing and stuff. I want to talk sure. about. I want to talk about and just I want to briefly touch on this because neither one of us are experts. Let's talk about the uh, uh, the uh, uh, desktop software that you that you used on both these machines. Uh, on the Amiga side, it was Intuition with Workbench. Uh, uh, there was the uh, gra- graphical uh, user interface on this. I think uh, this is one area where you might even agree with me that the Amiga is, was clearly uh, ahead of the pack in, t- in terms of that software uh, because this was built from the ground up to be a multitasking uh, operating system. Of course, much like Atari, Amiga had Amiga DOS, which was top shelf. Plus, it had, I mean, it was a literal multitasking machine, probably the first one that could do it like that, uh, with an incredible, uh, an, an incredible piece of software in what was Workbench, and of course, your kickstarts get it all kicked up, uh, and uh, it was often updated, uh, and it got better, you know, and still being updated to a certain degree. Uh, I don't, I remember the first time I ever used an Amiga, and I, and I, at the house, and I was able to format a disc and do something else. It was as, as, as stupid as that seems. It yep. was astounding. No, that's because on the PC you I straight agree. up could not do that. 
in DOS, uh, and, and and this uh, you know this predated Windows ninety five by <laughs> you know a decade. And so this was stunning, uh, stunning stuff. What kind of what did what did you think? And I've only had a cup of coffee with the uh, with the Atari desktop environment. What what's what's your opinion of it? Well, it was adequate. Um, I'm not going to say it was better than the Amigas because it wasn't. Uh, it had two resolution modes it could go into, uh, so you could get a little more screen real estate for some of the things you were doing. Uh, it was a window-based system where you could click and open your windows and manage your files and whatnot. But like you said, it wasn't multi-process. It was... This is what you're doing right now. Uh, kind of a funny side note, Windows was like, Atari, let's hook up. Let's do it. Let's put Windows on the Atari. Hmm. And that was going to, at one time, be the launch OS for Atari. Unfortunately, uh, they were like, yeah, okay, when can you get it to us? And they were like, 90, or 87. Yeah, too late. I was like, no, that's... We, we can't do that. We have we have to get into the market right now. Uh, but what a different world we might be living in if that ha- would have happened. Yeah. Uh, I believe Atari bought that OS, as I recall. Uh, they bought yeah. that front end. I will say, just from having used it a few times, I would call it functional but hideous. It's a hideous looking front end, uh, and, well, and the default the default colors on it are horrible. And I, I it's oh, it's that, clunky that's, looking. That's well, I'm saying if you if you came in from the Amiga, and it uh, and you roll into town, and then you're using the ST's uh, operating system. It's now of course it did improve as the years went on, but on the base unit it was ugly, ugly operating system. Um, so it was functional. It was, and functional. it had less crashes than the Amiga. That's 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 probably true. Let's get okay. Let's get down to the nitty gritty, Brent. We're going to talk about some some game action here, and I'm going to let you lead the dance here. What we did, everybody, was just uh, just for fun, and we're, these aren't full reviews, but we picked three games for each system to try to make our case that this is the, that this thing uh, can play the ultimate. Uh, the uh, it was the ultimate gaming system. So, Brent, I'm going to let you lead the dance here. What was your first game here? Well, let's let's take a look at Defender of the Crown. All right. And some people might be like, Defender of the Crown, what are you doing, Brent? That looked so great on the Amiga. It did look great on the Amiga, and it looked great on the Atari ST as well. And uh, full disclosure, it looked and sounded better on the Amiga. There's no denying it. However, as with a lot of games during this era, the Atari ST version was fleshed out it actually has more gameplay elements and when it came to porting it to the amiga like a lot of the software that uh in the early days was they ported it to the amiga for the quick buck and shoved it out the door they didn't take advantage of the amigas you know a lot of the amigas features they just wanted to make the quick buck so they said, you know what, this element of gameplay we're having trouble with, let's just cut it. This element, it were, it's taking too long. And you'll see that in the beginning days of, a, of the Atari ST and Amiga, that this was often commonplace. You would have the game developed on the ST and then ported to the Amiga. And what happened with that was, yes, your resolution was a little bit better. Yes, your graphics were a little bit sharper. Yes, your sound was a, was better in almost every regard. But it never took advantage of what the Amiga could do. So, at its core, you had the exact same game as you had on the Amiga, except paying a premium to play it on the Amiga. And it's unfortunate that that happened for years and years because these early games, if they would have actually said, you know what, this is an Amiga game, let's really take advantage of what the Amiga could do, would have had better games in the beginning. But that's not what they did. The Amiga just kept getting port after port after port. And it just goes to show, in the beginning, uh, 
gaming on the Amiga was an afterthought. It was all about let's develop it for the Atari, and then we'll do what we can to get it on the Amiga. I will say, I am familiar with this on the ST. Of course, I've played this on the... Uh, famously, me and Boat pitched this game for years when they put out the deluxe version, which when we first started the Amiga. So every time I see Defended the Crown, I cringe a little bit as many times as we as we pitched it. Uh, I, I've never been a huge fan of this game. Uh, I'll admit there's a little more content on the, S, on the ST. I mean, there's no denying it, but I mean, if you, it's it was a showpiece on the Amiga, and that's what it was there for to look pretty and to sound. It was a great. demo, and it and it looked. I mean, it's playable. I mean, and that what it does add on the ST. I mean, yeah, there's some extra stuff, but you know, it is what it is. I can't deny it. it, it, it they, well, they did the a better ST job. Well, the ST is a game, and the Amiga version is a demo. Well, they. Well, I mean, no, that's really that's what one, you have to I mean, say. there's not like it's not like there's that much content's different. Uh, I mean, let's face facts. Famously. CinemaWare was in a hurry to get this out the door on the Amiga. They weren't in a hurry on the ST. So there's that. So I'd like to counter. I'd like to counter your CinemaWare offering with a CinemaWare offering of my own, uh, an Amiga exclusive. It's my good buddy Wings. Wings, dude. I love this game, and this is a game. I do too. That uh, if you if you sit back and 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 have a look at it. It, it's it's one of my all-time favorite games across any platform, and it was an Amiga showcase uh, in a lot of ways, including doing things that most people don't associate the Amiga with, which is like, uh, you know, rendering things in sort of a 3D world uh, in Flight Simulator way. Uh, of course, this game had the brilliant music, the backstory. It had the uh, it was a, it taught you a little bit about gaming about the World War One. Uh, it was a it was a real think piece, and it didn't. Really, the Amiga is the only platform that got this. Now, eventually, this got released on the Game Boy Advance. It's funny, I just played this a couple weeks ago on one of my streams. And the GBA version, is it is sort of the same, but it's not It's not, It's not. not in the same stratosphere. I mean, it's sort of its own game, because you could actually play the Germans in that, and a weird thing. Uh, I don't think... Uh, of course, uh, the ST never got these. In fact, none of the games I picked ever appeared on the ST, because I wanted to show off some exclusive Amiga stuff. But, I mean, if you compare... Wings uh, from CinemaWare to Defender the Crown, it's not even close. Wings crushes it. It's a way better game. It's a way uh, way more intelligent game. It's a way more diverse game. And I think uh, this is a game that highlights uh, everything that the Amiga could do, not just for the 2D, but with the 3D. Uh, again, this is an area where Amiga was sort of uh, as often discarded their ability to do that stuff. This game run, ran perfectly fine on my Amiga 1000 back in the day, Amiga 500, it runs fine, uh, no problem. So I, I'm going to submit that one as my first game, a game du jour. Any thoughts on Wings? Great game. There's no denying it. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, since we're talking 3D, let's go ahead and queue up Midwinter, my, my second game. Okay. She is not Midwinter. <clears throat> this was a game that was released on both systems and has a 3D element to it that is incredible for the time and let me tell you something if you're wanting to play midwinter do not play it on the amiga it runs like trash and you will find that a lot of 3d games uh do run very poorly on the amiga versus the st another uh, uh very touted example is uh hard driving if you look at the frame rate difference between the Atari ST version of that and the Amiga version of that, it, it's it's laughably bad on the Amiga. Uh, Midwinter is a game where you you are a police officer and you are trying to solve a, a, a series of crimes, and it has you uh, skiing, uh, you know, through these mountainscapes to get from place to place, and there's resource management. And it, it's it's a murder mystery type of affair. Very interesting game. Something I'm certainly going to go and take a look at in in more depth when I get a chance. Because I mean, look, this looks incredible. Well, uh, this is running on an Atari ST for yeah. goodness sakes. Yeah. Well, and, and you you know you're traversing this 3D landscape. It, it's amazing. It, it's absolutely amazing that a computer from the 80s is able to pull off these 3D environments, and 
it works. It just works, and it does not work on the Amiga version. It's funny. We covered this on the Amigos a while back. I believe this game, and I could be wrong, but I think it comes with like its own book, like its own novel. That's like a back- it does. It's yeah. a real. And this game was listen. This was way beyond me and Boat. Uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, it was so complex. It's it's in depth. It was yeah. super. It was super duper ambitious game uh, for the era. And I can tell you because we're looking at actual footage from ST. This does run at a much better clip than the Amiga version. Now, there's a reason for that. I looked into some of the to some of this stuff because I'd always heard that the Atari was better at running like filled, uh, filled polygon stuff better than the Amiga. It all comes down to, from what I've read, it all comes down to that processor. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that running, the processor yeah. had a had about a 14 percent speed in, uh, increase over the Amiga, and these are processor heavy. Uh, games and this and so they perform better these sorts of games on the Atari. There's no denying it. Uh, this is running at a better clip. I can tell you right now that uh, if you're gonna give this game a shot, bring a pack lunch because this thing is deep, <laughs> deep, <laughs> deep as hell. But I mean, I will say it looks good on here. Uh, it looks quite good. And this was like I said, this is a real unique game. I remember when we played this. I was like, man, that's crazy. So yeah, I agree yes. on, on a st- on a stock. Stock Atari versus me, that it is going to take take care of me on that one. Let me try uh, another one of mine here, Brent. I think that was a good choice, though. I'm not going to lie to you. So I wanted to pick something that was colorful, that was uh, a screen full of moving parts, and had good sound. And so what I ended up going with was a game I've only recently discovered uh, in the past year or so called Aphidia. The uh, or is the bu- the bug shooters everybody calls it. Uh, this is a game that's beautiful uh, with uh, some real nice uh, scrolling and a lot of varied gameplay and good sound. Just a nice colorful treat, uh, Brand. Are you familiar with this one? I'm not. Uh, I'll have to say it definitely looks like it's taking advantage of the sprite moving technology that the Amiga is, is uh, so well versed in. Uh, fast gameplay action, uh, really nice the, looking. The for scroll sure. is the key. That's that's for sure. A pity it doesn't actually exist on the Atari ST. Uh, it, it, it 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 was lost in production right there, and they never finished it. Uh, so. Apidia, a great example of what the Amiga can do. Uh, beautiful graphics, is silky smooth scrolling, which is a real problem the Atari has, is silky smooth yeah. scrolling. Uh, the Amiga's custom chips allowed it to do uh, beautiful scrolling uh, from left to right. The Atari seems to have had uh, been able to scroll up and down relatively well, but left to right, right to left, it had problems. Just hardware limitations. And on the Amiga, that's one of the strong points uh, on, on here. Have you played a pity before? I have not, but uh, just a comment on this on the sprite scrolling. Uh, there's no doubt that the custom chips of the Amiga uh, made sprite scrolling easier and faster uh, than the Atari ST. Yeah. And there are people who could program for the ST that could really nail that scrolling. Uh, they they had it figured out, and they could stand toe-to-toe with the Amiga, but they could not get the performance or the color richness. Uh, It was just simply beyond uh, the ST. However, like I said, the folks who could do it right, and a good comparison is Blood Money on both systems. Uh, Blood Money, of course, an absolute fast shooter, goes left to right, goes up and down, on the ST, it is a very comparable game. Uh, so much so that if you were to only play it for the ST and someone you walked in and someone was playing the Amiga version, you would probably think they were playing the ST version. Uh, it does suffer a little bit in frame rate. Uh, there's no denying that, but it is comparable on an amazing scale. Let's look at your third game, Brent. What do you got for us? My third game is an ST exclusive, and it is something that I have absolutely fallen in love with. It is Sundog Frozen Legacy. Let me tell you something, Aaron. If I would have known this game existed back in the day 
I would probably still be sitting in front of an Atari ST. I would have found a way to buy it and, and been playing it to this day because this game is of epic proportions. This is like if Elite was more structured and had you doing stuff on the ground as well as space. The whole concept of the game is that your uh, grandfather has died or your uncle has died and you are left his ship. Uh, but you can't have ownership of the ship uh, until you finish the contract that your uncle had set up. And the the contract is to take this fledgling city and, and, and expand it and make it grow and give it the supplies and stuff that it needs. This game has you traveling from planet to planet, and then once you get to a different planet, you actually get into their atmosphere and you can choose what city to go to. And then once you choose what city you go to, you are actually walking and driving around the city. And once you get to this point, you are uh, buying goods. You are uh, basically fulfilling that trader role, upgrading your ship. You are fending off gangs who are trying to rob you. Uh, and it has these – This some cities are huge. I mean I'm talking uh, the equivalent of like 60 city blocks, so much that you can't walk around. You have to get into your little car and drive around, and there are laws. Different planets have different laws where uh, some are really hard against the, the black market, and you can't get black market goods. But if you have black market goods and sell them – You'll make more money. It has uh, places that you you park your little car vehicle, and if you park it on the street or just like in the middle of nowhere, they will boot your car, and you'll have to pay fines. <laughs> it is super in-depth. It has where you have to maintain your food level, and you uh, once you uh, uh, run out of food, you die. It has hotels you can sleep in. It has banks where you can transfer money from solar system to solar system. It's this incredibly deep game that does not get nearly enough uh, press for how incredibly detailed and involved it is. And it looks spectacular. Uh, it has these city tiles that are just square, very SimCity-ish. Uh, but it actually has you moving around this city, and the, you could almost every building you can go into. And on planets that are uh, very law-abiding and rich, the inside of those buildings will be pristine. And it, you might go to another place where all they have is bars and slums, and it shows that graphically. And there's space combat. There's different pirates you can uh, find and, and and you'll get attacked by. And when you blow up their stuff, you can tractor beam in their goods. It's just incredibly deep, and it has this overall arching story where you're trying to get supplies back to this uh, one city, like I said, to fulfill the contract. And once you do that, you actually take control of your ship, and that's the end of the game. Uh, but holy cow, how deep and involved uh, for a game that no one has probably ever even heard about. Sundog Frozen Legacy, they've actually tried to re-release this game through Kickstarters and stuff. They have a, a beta version up there with updated graphics and everything else. Incredible game, can only be played on the Atari ST and the Apple II, and the Apple II version looks and plays like garbage. <laughs> if, you, if this game sounds good to you at all, you have to have an Atari ST to do it. I, I gotta say, I've never heard of this game, but it does look and sound pretty good. I mean, it's it's it looks deep. You know me, I am I am the human kiddie pool. But it looks deep. It looks like it looks uh, interesting. Uh, and uh, hey, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna badmouth it. It looks like it might be fun. You know, I've mentioned that I'm not the deepest person. You know, I don't go for the strategy games that much, Brent. Uh, but and I, and when we're talking about showing off the Amiga, there's one game that I think is the perfect game. Uh, some of you may have heard of it. It's a little thing I like to call BAM. It's a little thing called Lionheart, y'all. Lionheart. <laughs> this game embodies everything I love about the Amiga computer. I don't care what Boat says. 
uh, about it. I don't care if people are sick of hearing about it. I'm gonna. It's a clarion call. Look at this game, Brent. This is beautiful, lush uh, uh, graphics, multiplanar, which is something that the ST could not do. And it, it was, it could do it, but nowhere near what the Amiga could do. God yeah, knows how many, a lot of power. Oh yeah, Lord knows how many planes of of uh, graphics were sc scooting past right there. It runs in silky smooth. Look at the detail. Look at the water detail there. And should we mention that while you're playing this beautiful, creative game, the sound, the beautiful sound that comes out of your Amiga, uh, is it will make you cry. A lot of people prefer your Turrican 2s. Uh, and hey, I like Turrican, but I suck at Turrican. I mean, it is what it is. Turrican 2 is a great Turrican game on both systems. Yeah, Tur well, it, the sound and the gameplay are great, but Lionheart is my jam. Uh, it just, it's a, it, I've always liked it. There's fly, there's levels where you're flying. There's levels where you're riding. There's boss fights. Uh, there's secrets. It's all there. Uh, and Thalia did a great job with this. You could tell a bunch of demo guys got together and were like, let's do something awesome. And when this happens, occasionally you get brilliance. <clears throat> it happened with the Pinball Dreams, all those, that, that series. And it happened with this. Just absolute, people that could push the hardware to the to the raggedy edge stuff that was at the very tippy top of of their profession, and again, this is a game that you only play on the Amiga, which is, I never have understood that that this game never got ported because this could you could put this on anything. Me and Boat all the time talk about what you could put on a console and what you couldn't. This would work on any console uh, from back in that era, and it would be a top top shelf game it's creative as hell uh when you think of a game like this this is a game that i can tell you right now there is no physical way that this could have been done on an st uh and and look and sound the same this is something that only amiga made possible and uh, i agree it is a it, when, when i think of what i want to put on if i'm showing off the amiga at a, at a party uh, or you know back in the day we used to go to those user group meetings which is basically like let's go copy a bunch of software and everyone would put their best crap on their computer. So when people walked by, they'd be like, "Look at this crap!" You know, this would be my baby right here every time. This is a this is the this is the game that shows it off. Uh, and you you want to know what Lionheart really had going for it more than anything else that you've mentioned? Yeah, it was actually made for an Amiga. That's right. Yeah, and that matters because uh, at this era, because Lionheart was released pretty late in the day. Um, it really came down to, are you going to make a game and put it on the Amiga, or are you going to make a game for the Amiga? And that made that made a ton of difference. And games that were made for the Amiga, right, and really took advantage of its, if its impressive hardware and its sound chips and everything, there's no touching it. There's absolutely no touch. Well, you know, it's fun. But when you had games that were uh, ported from the Atari ST, uh, you had to really sit back and go, why did I spend an extra $1,000? And I think from a gaming perspective, that's really what it comes down to. Well, you know, the truth be told, uh, uh, and right now I've got it. If you're watching at home, I've got a comparison video up here. Uh the, you're right, and I, I look at this in very much the same way that I look at the the poor old Amstrad, uh, who uh, w w was uh, hamstrung by getting ports, everything ported over from the uh, Spectrum. And really, you couldn't yep. see. Only recently have we seen what the Amstrad could really is really capable of. Now, the Amiga, I don't count it in the same because Amiga got plenty of its own software as the Atari waned. But certainly in the yes. early days, you got a lot of ports, and you could. T and it's funny having researched this show. I think I could tell what was ported and what wasn't just by watching how they how the things play. Uh, a lot of people, you know, in some ways, this reminds me of the Jaguar too, it, we, which we covered a while back. With the Jag, you had all these, you had this really nice processor set up, but everyone used the old processor because they were lazy. They didn't want to use. They were familiar with the sixty-eight thousand. And so what you got, you didn't, it didn't take advantage of the custom chips. It's the same thing in the Amiga, lazy ports over from the ST. But again, that was something that didn't it didn't go on forever. And as as the no. years waned on, you know the the Amiga clearly uh, outpaced the uh, the uh, the Atari ST in terms of its uh, the games. But early on, you're going to see some. They're pretty similar in their capabilities, uh, which is uh, which is pretty impressive. Now, 
what this video won't show you is uh, audio differences, because clearly the Amiga would would trounce the ST in audio. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I've started. I've I've put up our uh, uh, our poll here in the this in the uh, chat room, and I want people to think about it as they're voting. And you at home, if you're listening, you're trying to think of what what you would be. I know a lot of people have their allegiances, but I think this comes down to, and we talked about this early in the show. When you look at Strictly the uh, Atari ST versus the uh, the 500, it comes down to performance versus cost. Do you think that the the 200 pound difference in these machines merits uh, the uh, the the uh, uh, the difference in performance? It's a tough call. Before the, we research this show, Brent, because I mean, listen, you know, I'm a, I'm an Amiga, right? Love the Amiga, and I really wouldn't have given the Atari much love. But the uh, the the difference in the difference in the amount of money you pay, plus the the multi year advantage they had before you could before an affordable Amiga Amiga was on the market, it does give one pause, doesn't it? It does. And what's kind of funny, uh, not ha ha funny, is <laughs> the exact same thing that happened to Amiga, where it was getting all these ports and no one was taking advantage of its chips and everything. Yeah happened to Atari down the line uh, when they were producing their new, their newest and greatest uh, Atari ST. Um, no one, no one wanted to program for it. And that, and in where the Amiga eventually overcame those challenges, uh, the Atari didn't. <clears throat> and that's why you have the later end Atari systems where people, they were wanted people to pay for this new quality this new uh chips custom chips and all this stuff and people weren't willing to do it uh of course you also i'm talking about in this time i'm talking you know early 90s uh you had so many other players really buying for people's monies uh the 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 386s of the world were really starting to happen and eventually you know as we know, looking back on it, uh, that was the right answer. Yeah. But it's 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 interesting how these things go in loops, and uh, you know what the Atari took advantage of in the beginning eventually became its downfall at the yeah. end. You know, we should, and I I know there was a lot of stuff we kind of skipped over in the interest of time, such as uh, really hardcore looks at at, at the MIDI. Or the demo scene, which, uh, uh, from what I've read, the Amiga. Of course, we know the Amiga had an awesome demo scene. The Atari's demo scene was pretty relatively small uh, at the time. Uh, the, uh, uh, of course, I, we're ne- neither one of us are studio musicians. Uh, of course, the Amiga had MIDI uh, abilities once it, we, you augmented it with whatever you needed to, you know, to put in there to get it in the studio. My, in fact, my buddy had an Amiga in his studio and used it quite often. It worked great. Uh, for at least for my advantage, but of course the ST coming out of the box with that, as usual, people are going to generally they're going to work towards whatever the lowest common denominator is uh, on that stuff. And since it came with MIDI, you instantly got MIDI action. So that's that's something else to take into account when you if you were buying one of these things uh, back in the eighty, let's say eighty six, eighty or eighty seven, uh, were you a musician? Is that where you were? Is that because if you were, you probably would go with the ST. It's cheaper and had the ports you needed. You know, so. That, that's something to think about. Or if you were just if you were just strictly in the games, you would probably want to pay the extra money. It's 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 interesting. I think uh, just as on my own personal thoughts on it, looking back uh, in '87 when the 500 was released, if I had if I had some money, uh, I would probably go ahead and pay the 200 pounds just on the basis that the other one had been out for a couple years and get the hot new thing. You know, uh, but. Uh, uh, I can understand how someone wouldn't make that decision. Where do you fall on that? At ultimately, uh, I absolutely agree. I, I think if you had the money to spend uh, and was willing to wait those two years, uh, the Amiga uh, one thousand, not even to me, not even a competitor. Yeah. I would go ST all day really? long. Uh, oh yeah, with the one thousand. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. the thousand dollar difference, yeah. not even, not yeah. even close. Yeah. It, um, now that said, when the when the 500 came out, and I think that's really why we looked at the 500. I think that's a more comparable thing. Um, if I had the cash, uh, I would love to get the the latest and greatest. Uh, but yeah. if I 
bought in early and had an ST and uh when the Amiga 500 came out I wouldn't upgrade. Yeah. I don't think it's good enough to it's buy It's funny, because I, I was just thinking in real life, in real terms, all right, chances are I would buy a used ST. <laughs> I know what I would do at 87. I would wait till the bloom was off the rose, and then I would buy it used because the hot new thing was out. I know me, and I've done this so many yep. times. I mean, I bought a used 1000 for the, in the exact same, <laughs> you know, that's how I did it, because price is now, an Aaron, issue. The- the the poll results are oh, in. Let me have a look here. And it's pretty conclusive. Let's let's uh, view the results here. Uh, and holy smokes, are you kidding me? It's a <laughs> well, the votes are in, and it is a tie. It's a one hundred percent straight up tie between me and Brent. I can live with that. And the one person who could have broke the tie yeah. voted for it's a tie. You know, so <laughs> I will say this. Uh, uh in conclusion. Uh, I was prepared to come in here and bury you deep beneath the earth, uh, but I listen. I'm a realist, man, and I also a, I try to be a straight shooter. When I look at that price difference, and I look at the I look at that leap, and then I look at the games themselves, you know, of in that era, the Atari holds up pretty well. You know, I mean, it really yep. does, and so. Uh, while I uh, clearly, I mean, when we started this, we knew who which had the superior hardware. That wasn't really the issue. It was who had what was the superior system in terms of use, b- price, everything. And I think a tie is about right. I think you're right, and yeah. that's a, just about right. I mean, I think they're comparable uh, when you boil everything down. I think in '85, the ST is the clear winner. And as time progressive, it gets closer and closer and closer. And then as you reach like the 90s, it obviously flip-flops over to Amiga superiority and expands out from I there. Agree. And I think that's a lot of the reason when people look back from from uh, you know 2020 and says, well, the Amiga was clearly yeah. better, uh, they aren't living in the moment. That's right. They're looking at the end result. That's that's so, well said. That's exactly right. Because it's easy to be like, "Hey, we're still playing the Amiga, the Atari." What a pe- it's not the way. It's, that's not the way it was in the real world, man. And of course, Atari jumped out to a good lead back then too. Uh, and so you were they they had their flurry. I think uh, ultimately, what sunk Atari was was the the way. Uh, right, it sunk both companies, but it was the way it was ran, the way the plan they had, which was a non plan. And uh, ultimately, both companies were doomed from Jump Street. It's amazing that uh, these machines released with such ballyhoo, and then, uh, but you know, maybe ten years later, they, uh, both companies are completely screwed. So it's yep. it's a tragedy. But that's the way she goes, my friend. The the wheel moves on. And speaking of which, let's spin this sucker, Brent. All right. Aaron, can you tell us what got added to the wheel? So this time out, we have added the, and I've, I only know about this system. I've never played it. The Fairchild F8, the sequel to the Fairchild Channel F, Brent. And our retro piece is the Vectrix. Let's spin this sucker. You have oh, a thought? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Let's go retro piece, man. I can play some right, Vectrix. here we go. That's a mighty spin, if I may say. And we have, oh no. Yes, Brett. <laughs> it, we're not done feuding. We have picked fight. Fight. Tell them what that piece means, Brett, because even I don't remember. <laughs> what is fight? A uh, fight. I, I, it looks like we're going to be playing some competitive fighting games, Aaron. Okay. Well, <clears throat> uh, do, are we going to agree on a game now, or are we just going to are we just going to make it up, pick something on during the week? Is that the way it's going to go? Uh, we're going to have to pick something during the week because again. We're restricted with network play, yeah. uh, but we're going to have to... We've already done Mortal Kombat 2. We've already done Street Fighter uh-huh. 2, so those are off the table. Okay. We're going to have to go uh, something outside. So we're both going to pick a fighting game, and then we're going to lobby for it. That's the plan, right? That's now listen, it. I will say I pulled my punches this week because it, because I respect the Atari ST and its community. However, next week... I will not be so merciful. I will crush you. I'll pound you. You will pay. Pay the ultimate price. Unless you pick a game I like. They don't have to not pound you. But still, hopefully you'll pick something I hate. <laughs> that would be great. So, I will go out of my way, Aaron, to pick something that you absolutely despise. Yeah, what's that fighting game on the uh, on the Jag? 
the, with, the, with the guy at the kilt. They could <laughs> pick that one. You ever played that one? He shoots the fireball under your I know kilt. what you're yeah. talking about, but no. <laughs> uh, take off, Mitts. I deliver. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, I hope you were uh, satiated with our conversation on the Amiga versus the Atari ST. It's hard for either one of us to drum up enough hate to get vicious in a fight like that because we both we really do like both systems. So it's <laughs> and we and we certainly understand where they came from. Hey, uh, thanks again for joining us. Don't forget that uh, we have Thanks for Green Marathon uh, coming up in just just over just under two weeks on Friday the twenty seventh. Uh, and it'll start at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we also have uh, the International Computer Club that will be coming out uh, December 12th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We hope you'll join us for these things. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for our closing music. We want to say hello to our podcast listeners, our YouTube subscribers, and our Twitch chat. A big thank you to all of our supporters. Would you like to keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon page at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Xenon Canine, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Hermsky, Retroalgy, Mitsuyama, Dave Velociraptor, Chris Fools, Bernhard Lucas, Steve Ruthmason, Frodo NL, The Slow Morris, John Schaller, Gary Heather, Terry Howard, Anthony Jarvis, Olaf Hope, Rolf Lowe, Jason Warnes, and Graham W. Vecchi. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can support us by leaving us a positive review on Spotify and Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? You can email us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday at 9 a.m. EST. Hope to see you there.